what it is, what's up, just got f- uh, <laughs> fucked up by water in the cut. Yeah, alright, so, like, it's, it's, I, you know, this self-diagnosing shit probably isn't a wave, but something is, like, probably fucked up in my, my brain right now. Um, I tried to drink water, um, and I choked. Like, I was, I was pretty fucked up for a minute. I was still pretty fucked up, um. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> the, the topic of this podcast is not centered around getting your ass kicked by water. It's centered around um, Justin Powell. Unfortunately, I won't be able to put as much energy as I wanted to because because of the water and because of like I just got out of the gym and uh, I'm tired as hell. Um, but I can stick to the general gist of what I want to say off, so we'll just go with it. So. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of ways to take this. Uh, and we'll take it right after the break. Please stay, stick around. I swear to God, I'll be better when I get back from the break. All right, it's been like 20 minutes later. I, I still don't feel like great talking right now. Um, but we'll, I, I think I felt a little bit better. I think I got most of it out of my lungs. Um, so we're going to keep it short. Justin Powell. Um, so two ways, like the two ways I mentioned I want to take this. Uh, I'm going to take the higher road and just assume that based on what knowledge we have, that there were some mental aspects based on his um, his condition that he's explicitly mentioned and Pearl's explicitly mentioned uh, when he was depressed and unable to go outside and all that stuff. Apparently, he had a lot of conversation with his parents and all that, as you would expect. And um, there was some level of fear that, uh, you know, just that you would have with someone like eight hours away from you and they're going through what they were going through. Uh, so home, I think it's a factor. Um, want to be closer to home, which, you know, who wouldn't want to be after that? This is a guy with apparently a repeated uh, injury issue. And from what I read, even a concussion issue. So I think that's definitely a factor. The second path, which is one is certainly more muddied and... uh not one I'd like to take at this moment because we don't know all the facts and we probably never will, but the Auburn Insiders, uh, pretty much everyone that pays attention to basketball is kind of, on on varying degrees, alluded to some of the same things. Uh, There's clearly been multiple teams from his area that have talked to him. The second he transferred, which, okay, having knowledge that someone's transferring, like, as soon as they transfer, it's a little bit sketchy, but not necessarily illegal. But there's been multiple illusions that there's teams that talked to him while he was down, depressed, uh, him and his family, during that brief period between January and uh, March, where he's unable to pretty much do much of anything. I guess more so February. There's been multiple, pretty much every... Everybody that's like looked into this uh, heavily that has any sources kind of came with that same conclusion. And there's a couple of same teams that's been pointing to, but I'm not going to really mention because, again, we don't know all the facts yet. Now, there's even some other stuff that's even dirtier than that, that really, uh, not dirty in the way of like cheating, but it's dirty in that is, you know, very hard to speak about with the absolute facts. So I'm not going to really mention that, but there's been some other stuff mentioned as far as just relationships. Um, 
established between the program and, and other people. And um, that stuff may have played a factor too, but again, you know, that's a little, uh, you know, it's a level where you got to have facts to speak on. <coughs> but either way, um, clearly a situation to which that um, relationship eroded uh, over that period of time. I think that's much, that's very obvious. And um, I think that this is a, this just wasn't a decision that was made the last week of um, this season. It was clearly something that was premeditated and maybe something happened the past couple of weeks that confirmed it for him. But I would think my thought, even the second it broke was that this was a decision that was premeditated and he just waited until the very end of the season to make it uh, out of respect for baby Bruce, out of respect for the program, his friends, whatever. But um, that's, as much as I want to speak on like the rumors of this, of why it happened, because the why is going to take some while to get marinated over. Uh, I'm sure there's people that know, uh, some people that know and don't want to go into it fully because of how murky it is, because of how personal it is. And that's, you know, I mean, honestly, God, to have a journalistic integrity is something that's rare and uh, few and far between in, in today's media. So, uh, hey, I'm, I'm all cool with it. Whatever his reason was for leaving, he was somebody that, you know, put himself uh, all out in the court while he was here. Uh, played, like, probably 33, 34-plus minutes a game after the first couple of games when he came off the bench. At the start, he definitely played closer to uh, to, to 35 minutes than uh, to 30, I'd imagine. And he put a lot out there. Um, you know, the last thing I'll speak on that is just, it's just sad that it's another armor situation where we just get the shittiest look possible. Um, not to make this too explicit, but like we just have the worst luck when it comes to injuries and, and what ifs. I think of, out of any program in the entire 20s, I think we have the worst what if luck out of any program. All D1 programs, we have the absolute worst luck in terms of what ifs. Um, and that's a grand statement to make, but if you look at if you look at some things, uh, basketball and football related, you you would definitely come to a conclusion. Uh, the second half of this is going to be more centered around the concept of what does what does it look like post Justin Powell? What do things look like? What do lineups look like? Again, it's pretty much the same issue we had before Powell. It's hard to project because the transfer market is going to be big for Auburn. It was going to be be big. Be, 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 be. It was going to be big, and it's going to be even bigger now. Uh, and I'll speak on that in another segment. I feel good. I feel good, and uh, I'll try to you know put a little more emphasis into this afterwards. I'm still in the car, but it's just I'm stationary now. Okay, last segment here: projections and uh, predictions. Uh, the things I think a lot of people want to know about, even more so than the rumors. Uh, so I I was thinking going to game one next season, if everybody from this roster came back, um, that was a major contributor. And like not speaking of Javon Franklin and Chris Moore, who I have really good thoughts about, but I just don't think that they were going to find playing time very easily. But everybody else that contributed, uh, my thought process was going to be a two deep of, and this is like after the showing that Jamal Johnson had, if this was before, it would have been a little bit different. But after what Jamal Johnson did in his past few games as the point guard, I was thinking Cooper Powell. I mean Cooper uh, Johnson. I was thinking. Well, I, let me think again. Uh, was I going Powell Alexander? I think I was going Powell Alexander. Oh fuck! Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. 
Yeah, I, I want to say Paul Allison off the top of my head. Um, oh, yeah, I know the conundrum was. The conundrum was either Paul Alexander or Cambridge Flanagan, uh, Thorne, and Jabari. It's, it's really the, the issue, and it's still not really answer to it, but the issue is that I'm really trying to work out who should get the, the, that, that four spot. The four and the three spots are what matter the most to me and trying to figure all this out. I think if you want the absolute best players available, the first five should be Cooper, Flanagan, Jabari, Thor, and Jalen. But if you want to make things kind of make a, a more, I guess, positional sense, then you would probably have Cooper, Powell, Flanagan, Jabari and JT because I think you, you get the most value out of Jabari at the four versus Jabari at the three. Now, Jabari can play three. He's a very fluid athlete, probably about six, eight, six, nine. Uh, very fluid. Um, really good ball handler, uh, plus shooter. You can you can survive with him at the three. I just think that you probably want him at the four if you want to optimize him. But you, you ask like where's Jalen come into that and that's that was an answer I didn't have at the time I think right now what the reality is I would say let's just do the this first starting five and then do the bench after I would say Cooper Flanagan Jabari JT and then Jalen I think you get the answer that you want now in that two three four spot with power gone. I'm not saying you you want power gone because the way I would have wanted it ideally is to kind of run that permutation and have power as the lead ball handler off the bench. And then you could run him with Jamal and they gives you two plus ball hit like plus facilitators. And then you got Cambridge and Alexander can maybe fit in there. I, you could you could feasibly run Cambridge as a small ball of like four. And you can have Alexander two and have power to three. It's very small, but that was the idea I was running. You could probably put, you could like kind of, you know, scramble minutes to have one of the other bigs come in at the five, maybe JT, maybe Jabari, or you just run Cambridge, uh, Caldwell. That that was the to me the ideal backup five at that time was Jamal, Alexander, Powell. Cambridge and Caldwell but now I think you need Alexander to be able to play the two you have to move Cambridge to the three you probably you probably just scramble minutes to get that to get one of the other starters out of the four at some points um unless I'm missing somebody big I I, I really don't I, I don't I don't think I'm missing anybody big with not factoring more and um Franklin now, I think what happened, what just happened with all of, of this has allowed one of those two guys to still get minutes on this team because you can't, like, literally you can't play Stretch or Caldwell the four. They're not, they're not even like, well, I think Caldwell is a decently agile five, like decent, not great, but decent. I, I, Stretch is like just not mobile. Like he's not mobile. Like he, 
everything that Stretch was supposed to be as a five, JT ended up being. And Stretch has like none. He's just a very limited um, five, to, to be honest with you. Um, so those neither of those two can play the four. And I'm trying to work out how you can still run. You can run Cameron to that small ball four, like I said. But like I think he works better as a three. So I think you have to still keep Chris Moore in this rotation. You can run Franklin to three and then run Cameron to that five or that four, but you know, I, I don't that works defensively. Offensively, I don't know. But uh yeah, I would say um I would say you, you keep Chris Moore at the four. That's what I that's what I think you do. So as of right now, post Powell, I'm going Jamal. Alexander, Cambridge, Moore, and then Caldwell. But truthfully, I believe, like in any good game, like any tough competition, I think that Moore will probably be taken off the court and they'll just stagger minutes with uh, either Jabari or JT at that four spot. Or even Jalen. That's a possibility too. Those are the options presented to me at this very moment. So that's 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 a, that's a prediction. That's the prediction projection. Jada da jada da da jada. Um, sorry for the quality of this. I really wish I wasn't getting fucking killed by water out here. But uh, I you know just I guess to wrap a bow on because I, this really is a massive like situation that you know it, even though we have options, um, it's gonna suck to lose this guy. You know, even, even, like people think, okay, talent, you know, you get scooped, maybe you come out that plus, um, you get maybe a better player one day. But the thing is, you reset on that grind, like that grind for experience that it took power to have like, you know, four games to look like the lead facilitator, even though he kind of came in shooting the ball pretty well. But to look at that lead kind of point guard, quote unquote, took a while to do that. I mean, it took, you know, Flanagan an entire year to look like, uh, and I mean, I know that he kind of had to play the back his first year, but it took him a year to really look like a, a NBA draftable type of guy. Uh, I'm Cooper comes in and looks like that in two games, but Cooper gets adjusted to. Um, so it, it's like, you know, you never know how a freshman is going to come in. I mean, Brandon Brooks was fucking terrible at the beginning of like this season. It's look like a decent dude by March, but their season's over with. So who gives a shit? So it's like, it's it, you never know how... A five-star, four-star, three-star, whoever starts to look like as a freshman. Um, and that known quantity factor is is just big. Um, I think they end up going transfer portal. Um, I Honest to God, I would say they don't need another score at the two or the one. If they do a combo guard situation. Uh, they seem to be, to be looking at a lot of pure scores as, as of this moment at that spot. Uh I don't know. I think they're up underrated, operating under alias that fucking alias. What the fuck is wrong with me? Operating under the premise that Cooper will be coming back and they'll have at least two quote unquote facilitators between him and Jamal. Um, I would say you need a third and I would say you need a third every season since Harper's left. And we kind of have just failed at that. I would say the one thing that Pearl's failed at in recruiting and people hate to hear this, but I think people have become more open to it after the, the failure of Tyrell, after attrition, yada, yada. We got to stop looking at combo guards to answer that spot of where's the third point guard. 
the, the, the thing about a college combo guard is it's usually more of a scorer nine times out of ten than a facilitator. Like, it's like, okay, quote, combo, quote unquote, but he's like, the ratio is like fucking two to one in terms of what he can do um, scoring versus facilitating. So it's like, I think you just need a straight up pure facilitator guard. And they did go for that a couple times last uh, cycle. They just missed repeatedly. Uh, but they can't afford to miss that this time. They cannot afford to have, like, actually they can, but like it, it, it's about the optimization of of your your better players. Like, you can say, okay, we have Jabari's probably going to be a really good isolation player. We're going to have Thor, which probably can just throw him to the block. He can probably work on the around the block, get good mid range looks out of yada. Jalen was decent around the post. You know, um, Alexander could probably get his own shot. Uh, but you don't want that bitch unit. Or the units where you don't have Cooper on the court just be re- resolved to whoever can just get a bucket, however you can get it, let's get it, you know? Like, the way we kind of play the previous year and the, the year before that when Javon or Samir wasn't on the court, that's not... No matter how good your talent is, that's just not a way to play basketball. You got to have a system on, on some level. You got to have a facilitator, someone who can say, get to where you need to get to. That's just a way you need to play, especially in Bruce's offense where, you know, for better or for worse, a lot of the guys that are not guards just don't know what to do. It's in part his system just is so freelance. There's no real focus on S and O's unless you come out of a timeout. He has really good uh, timeout plays. He even has some good sets, but for the most part, uh, it's just get it how you live. And no matter how good you are and talent-wise, look at Kentucky, look at Duke. Just getting how you live is not a sustainable system. So I hope that they get a legitimate facilitator with that extra transfer. With the extra, I think they have two scholarships right now. I think they have two scholarships right now. And I hope with at least one of them, it goes to a facilitator slash playmaker. Um, if I had to guess, I think they'll still push out one of the laggards uh, as far as scholarships go. Um, the thought process coming to this was that it was going to be either Franklin or Moore. Um, I was hoping it'd be Stretch because I feel like Stretch has the least value out of anybody on this roster right now. Um, I think you, even if you look at, you know, well, it's not worth talking about because it's not a reality now, but the, my, my thought process is why I would pick Stretch over Franklin. And I know it's not realistic because I think Stretch has a lot more locker room clout and, uh, leadership, which as an integral variable in a championship team. But my thought process was that Franklin is one of probably the four best defenders on a team that was not very good defensively. Um, he is, appears to be, he's not a willing shooter, which is the problem, but he appears to have one of the more consistent shots. Um, and to say it like more as a shot form uh, on this team amongst wings, because I don't think, I think Cambridge's mechanics is just fucking wonky. And I think that Flanagan is going to take a lot of bad shots. So it's good to have some level of consistency at the three spot. But I, 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 just, I also just don't think Stretch is very good offensively. I just think he is not good at many of the things you need out of somebody that is playing a big spot. He's not a good rim roller. He's terrible at handling the basketball, uh, especially if it's a rocket pass as Cooper throws. He's uh, very liable to bring the ball down when he's handling it in part because of his bad hands and getting stripped pretty easily. Uh, he has no real mid-range. He's not a good three-point shooter, not willing, not good. 
he pretty much has no recognizable value on offense to me. Uh, he's not an amazing uh, rebounder either. I mean, he's kind of eyed at it. He's not great at rebounding either. So it's just not a good offensive player whatsoever. Uh, and doesn't make sense. Doesn't maximize any of their best lineups at all. Uh, I would hope that he pretty much gets zero minutes going forward uh, outside of just like needing to match up against a bigger body. But, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I guess we'll see. That's it for me. Hope you enjoyed this little dissertation that I did. Um, enjoy your night. You know, it's good Friday night. Auburn basketball is done. But uh, I think basketball in general at the college level is going to be very tentative. And uh, everything's going to be house money. If they don't do a bubble system, everything's going to be house money going forward. I think they'll do a bubble one for the Indianapolis tournament. But, I mean, we're at a point where a lot of bubble teams are unable to even, like, hustle enough to have a chance at showing, put something on the tape to do something. Like, um, Duke's done. They were a bubble team. Um, another ACC team I just forgot about. I think it was, was it Miami? I, it was somebody else that was on the bubble that just got their season ended. Uh, Kansas, they were, I think, comfortably within that kind of like eight to nine to 10 seed. But, you know, they looked bad at times. They kind of needed to, I think, something to feel good about. Um, it's going to be more teams, obviously, that, that have that, that happen to them. So if, if Auburn picked any season to, to not play uh, college basketball on the tournament level, this was this was the best one ever, <laughs> ever. Uh, see y'all later, man.